go back to the FSA, have open mail. So there will be a completely legitimate question about whether it's time to have a, a, a woman as chair for the first time. I do think it's one of those areas where the, you know, there's scope for well-intended regulation to go badly wrong. A lot of firms are currently working on their operational resilience. There's, there's, there's obviously rules coming into force that um, or already come in force and a, a time scale for upgrading operational resilience. Whistleblowing in the US is different from whistleblowing here very obviously writ large um, and I think there are kind of deeper questions in there they're not direct parallels but about you know how much how much consumer data do you want and why and what do you use it for and what are the temptations almost certainly I mean, you know, I mean I think most of the central bankers are around the world are making noises about raising interest rates at this point aren't they or taking action hi and welcome to the Grant Thornton risk and regulation unraveled podcast uh, today, you're joining David Murray and Gavin Stewart. Say hi, hi Gavin. Hi there. Uh, and we're broadcasting from the office, um, partly as we uh, ran out of gas to heat our homes, um, partly because I personally am afraid the FCA might do a home visit, uh, but mostly, actually, because we've got new technology. We have a new microphone. I, 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 looking at it, waiting down the desk in front of me, I can't help but feel that we're going to be channeling our inner Mariah Carey or... Uh, or sound. Yes. Today, 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 we are going professional. Um, and like any professionals, uh, we're going to be trying to address the big questions uh, in regulation. Uh, so for those that haven't joined us before, we, uh, this is our monthly walkthrough of the headlines from the world of financial services regulation. We take a look back at what's happened over the last month or so, um, and we try and take a look forward um, at what we expect to happen um, and what some of the major questions and challenging challenges facing regu- regulators are. Uh, we try and a- ask the big questions and we try and answer them. Um, figure out what the regulators are doing, what they might do in the future, and what that might mean for, for all of us who work in the financial services industry, possibly retraining as an HGV driver, or might be one option. Anyway, um, with that, uh, with that as, the, as, the, as, the, as the overview of what we're going to cover, uh, Gavin, um, I mean, when we sat together last month, we were uh, talking about all the good things we expected, the interesting things we expected to come, come out of the regulators over the next month or so, and... and I think we've probably been a bit disappointed in terms of the pace of activity. So future of regulation from yep. the Treasury, regulatory initiatives grid from the yes. SCA. No, um, they're the big ones, aren't they? Yeah, um, they're still waiting. Yes, and I don't know whether, I mean, the, the future regulatory framework proposals from the Treasury, it could be anything from government timetabling to pressure of work at the Treasury, or it could be that the, you know, they're, have, they're debating with the regulators particular points. I mean, that's certainly part of what happened um, in, you know, in the run-up to FISMA 2012. Uh, so yeah. there might be some of that going on. Uh, but it is, it is late. Um, and, and I think the, the question now is whether it comes out um, as part of the budget proposals, uh, sorry, the, the budget announcement mm. next week, uh, and what sort of uh, consultation period uh, there is because if it's three months that then takes you beyond Christmas and you're in a slightly different legislative world and it's going to be a huge piece of legislation to get through anyway mm-hmm. um, okay so we, we remain uh, in waiting for that um, not to say that there hasn't been plenty of news uh, emanating around regulators uh, particularly the FCA which has been garnering headlines around oh let me see staff bonuses being altered changed reduced depending on who you listen to um, 
possible unionisation. I think gone, actually. Staff bonuses. Ouch. Uh, possible unionisation of the workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's certainly certainly other changes we're aware of from uh, from a sort of uh, you know, in terms of uh, organisational structure, job families, etc. Reduction or removal of certain legacy allowances. Uh, so quite a lot of change going on that seems to be affecting the um, the mood of the troops uh, at the FCA. And, yeah. Uh, reading alongside that of staff shortages, um, which is potentially not unrelated. Yeah, um, I mean, there's quite a lot to unpick. I mean, I, I think the, the first thing is that aside from closing the defined benefit scheme, the legacy one in 2011, I think it was, there's not really been much change to terms and conditions since about the mid-2000s, right. 2005, 2006, something like that. Um, and some of the stuff like the manager allowance goes back to the start of the FSA in 98. So... I you know I don't think there's an argument that it's um, not high time the whole thing was looked at. Uh, what I'm what I'm missing at the moment is what sort of organisation uh, they want the FCA to be in the future. So when the FSA was created, and then the FCA after that, there was a pretty deliberate decision to pitch it somewhere between the public and private sector. Um, and to have a, a reasonable exchange of staff with the industry backwards and forwards. And yes. that was all quite deliberate. And it's worked well at some times, less well at others. Um, but I don't see, and obviously the bonus you know, performance pay was part of that. Uh, and I don't really see what um, sort of organization they want to come out at the end of this. Um, and post-COVID and everything, there must be a bit of a risk that actually you hemorrhage a bit more than yes. you want and yes. the wrong sort of people. Yes, yes, potentially. I mean, obviously, we've spoken before about FCA transformation and the broad goals of that. I mean, Nicole Arty, the CEO of FCA, gave, gave his Mansion House speech a couple of weeks ago, yep. didn't he, and was uh, reiterating a lot of those themes, data-driven, um, you know, agile, some of the stuff around you know, being aggressive, that's my word rather than his, but, you know, pushing the... Pushing the boundaries of the, of, the, of, the, of the legislative and regulatory framework in order to to achieve faster outcomes, better outcomes. So, but that, a lot of that t tells you about you know his view on what the, the style and sort of some of the key dynamics of the regulator it would be. It doesn't tell you anything about um, staff structures and, and no. And, and I think there's, there's there are some quite big challenges. You know, <coughs> most obviously pulling supervision and policy together. I mean, there's lots of different cultural things. There's lots of overlaps and underlaps, um, and sorting all that out will be a will be a big deal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think the other thing is I don't quite, I haven't got my head round where the resources to do all the things in the Mansion House speech and the business plan and transformation and so on, where they all come from. And it, from the outside, it looks like there's quite a lot of double, even triple counting, mm. in places. Um, and you can improve efficiency. But that typically means, if you're talking private sector, that will be you know doing things faster, putting things together, and you know yeah. Um, yeah. processing them them quicker. Uh, in a regulatory world, um, you don't get the the PNL payback for that. What you do get is the risk of some small things slipping through the cracks. And in the private sector, that's offset by the gains. In a regulator, yeah. those are the things that come back to bite you and yes. have you up in front of the TSC yeah, yes. six months later. Which we've seen plenty, plenty of. Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm talking out of turn. Obviously, you know, we have clients who are 
seeing a, a relatively, or seem to be experiencing a relative slowdown in, in responsiveness from the FCA and sort of the, sort of the, the, the BAU interactions. Um, I mean, it'd be amazing uh, if there wasn't. No, 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 quite. quite. I, and I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I suppose. I suppose the, you know, the questions are: you know, does it, does it, does it, you know, are, are there going to be more problems coming out before things get better? Yeah. Assuming things get better, are we in that stage of the transformation curve where, where, where things could could deteriorate further before before we start to see improvements? Uh, only time will tell. Um, uh, I get related FCA news. Charles Randall, the chair of the FCA over the last yes. few years, has announced his retire, uh, stepping away, retiring uh, from the role a, a year early. Um, yep. Now, you mentioned, I think, about six months ago that, that yes. he, in some of his public pronouncements, he was starting to sound a bit, little bit past tense. Yeah, he made a speech back <laughs> in April, which I thought sounded quite valedictory and, and sort of, you know, that talked in the past tense about the contribution he would be seen to have made. Mm. Um, and I think I wrote on Monday that uh, he'd said an awful lot more in the TSC meeting before that speech than he did in the one the month after. Uh, and he's made other important speeches since. But, but I would, I mean, I'd be surprised if this hadn't been in the works mm. for six months or so. Uh, and hopefully the wheels, at least informally, are turning, although it's obviously a public appointment, so you would assume it needs to be properly advertised. Um, I suppose my overriding thing is that it's just an awful lot of senior turnover again, yeah. and the FSA and now the FCA has suffered, I don't think is too strong a word, has suffered from that ever since it, it came into being. Um, you know, uh, If you compare it to the bank, there's far less stability at the top. Yes. Um, and and that because you have an, a CEO and a, and a chair, you know that you rarely get you know people together for more than two years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that means that if you're inside the organisation, there's no continuity, there's no consistent strategy, um, and you're always you always feel like you're being thrown from pillar to post. Mm. I mean, I, I think you're almost certainly right that this is this will have been this has not come out of the blue. I mean, yeah. internally, this must have been. Something that's been discussed for for, for several months. Uh, yes, I mean, how can we? And I, and I think unless the the new chair comes from the board, they'll inherit a transformation program that they've had nothing to do with. Yeah, that's... and a series of kind of declared outcome <coughs> measures that are inherently quite long term and hard to measure. Um, and they may well want something that's a bit more here and now. Yeah. You know, t tell me, you know, t tell me what the next thing. Is that could potentially go wrong, so we can fix it. I'm I'm less bothered about eighteen months time. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, uh, yes. So we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. At the very least, it's uncertainty, and as you say, you know, the, who who their point and what their agenda for the role is, um, and how that meshes with yeah. the established strategy. It's probably yeah. also worth saying it's that all five previous chairs, if you go back to the FC, FSA, have all been male. Um, so there will be a completely legitimate question about whether it's time to have a yeah. have a a woman as chair for the first time. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's probably uh, not overdue. I would suggest uh, that's fair enough. Um, so uh, in that time period, uh, over the last month, so we had the FCA annual public meeting. Mm -hmm. um, anything come out of that that was worth mentioning? Well, there was quite a lot. I mean, a lot of it was sort of retread of the of the business plan. It was. I think it was it was slightly surprising that Megan Butler, as as the lead of the transformation program, only had only answered one question given given the nature of the meeting. Um, it it 
I mean, these things are difficult to do on um, Teams or, or Zoom and so on. Um, but, I mean, public meetings have always been difficult, I think, for the regulator. And the, yeah, they I, tend uh, to get yeah. dominated uh, by one or two yes. relatively small things in yes. a great, <coughs> great scheme. Of, were, there, uh, were there demonstrators, British Steel Pension Scheme members, demonstrating outside, I wonder, was it? Well, so? yes. So um, that's... Uh, yeah, that's an unhappy. Well, yeah, well, no, let's segue to to as uh, we've been covering some of the, the things that the FC have been in the news for. I guess, a, bit, a bit more proactively, uh, there are a couple of things around pensions. One, yeah, one less less exciting probably is 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 as uh, a consultation now between it and uh, sorry a, a joint approach uh, mm-hmm. announced between it and the pensions regulator around assessing value for money for defined contribution pension schemes, which is a sort of step on from the defined benefit framework that already exists that shows, uh, I guess, illust- illustrates the collaboration, the working together, the joint strategy, which I think was announced yes. two or three years ago between the TPR and, and, and the FCA. Um, uh, I say it shows that. I mean, I think, I think that that's then put into test by, by other things that are going on. So the FCA wrote to several hundred British Steel Pension Scheme yep. Members uh, advising them that uh, because of the, the high risk of unsuitability around the advice they received, they should get a letter of complaint into the financial um, uh, ombudsman pronto. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm always really. I'm quite sceptical about a sort of complaints-led strategy. Um, I, I kind of saw it with mortgage and diamonds twenty odd years ago, and then obviously with PPI, and they're much. Um, you know that the scale of those is much bigger in terms of the number of people yes. and and the start date again you know w- went back many years yeah, 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 decades with, decades, with yeah. British steel pensioners you're talking 2016 um, 2015 2016 so it is different but it's still putting an awful lot of um, responsibility on the consumer themselves to complain um, an awful lot of responsibility on the FSCS and the ombudsman mm. and indeed the people liquidating firms that have yep. subsequently gone bust. Uh, and and you might well end up with uneven outcomes. Um, it could take longer than you think. Um, the FCA, of course, is on the hook for this particular problem, whereas the other two is inherited. That's true. Um, yeah, yes, that's so, true. This, this, so that's this different yes. um, as well on the downside. Um, so, so what, what do you make of calls? Uh, some, so the alternative some, is is to have something like the Pensions Review Division, yeah, exactly. Which had and some people are calling again, for twenty that, years ago. FCA, oh, you, um, you should sort this out. Yeah, I mean that was a real impact on the early FSA because it was you know two hundred and fifty people as a kind of bubble inside the organisation yeah. who then had to be subsumed. And actually, I think that was a positive in the end, but but it it um, it had its downsides. Uh, which is why they went to the complaints, part of the reason they went to the kind of complaints-led scheme for mortgage and diamonds. Uh, you know, I, none of this is perfect because no. it's, you know, because you've got the problem to start with and it's it's bigger than you'd, you know, than you'd like. But but I, I am nervous about the complaints-led approach. Yes, uh, yeah, none, none of them are perfect. But yeah, I suppose, does, does the FCA's historic, or FSA's historic experience around running its own redress um, uh, operation essentially mean that it's never going to go down that route again. Um, I guess t- time, time, time will tell. Uh, I do notice uh, you're only right. The obviously the um, the numbers of people who are impacted are, are much smaller. Although some of the amounts of money involved are 
very very significant. I know. You say it's a it's a big deal. People, it know, is. Yes. Well, you know, it's 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 arguably more important. It, I think it is more important. I think than the mortgage and diamond stuff as a kind of an individual yeah. investment because you have fewer yeah. choices and it's <coughs> potentially a bigger amount of money for you. Well, no, well, as an as um, a side, one of the things the FCA did in the last month is they tweaked their guidance around calculating redress for yeah. pension transfer advice to um, the, the way you treat fees. Uh, financial advisor fees for, for future on, on, on the redress pot. Um, anyway, the, the, the net effect of that is is that the redress amounts go up uh, potentially quite significantly. Um, I think the other thing is that without fail, these programmes have always lasted <coughs> several years longer than originally slated. Um, and so I think I think this will be with us for a good while to come, mm. um, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Um, what else did the FCA do? Oh, well, they 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 wrote to firms about the remote working and their expectations for uh, you know the regulatory compliance in that environment, and uh, it raised the possibility of doing home visits, uh, which I joked about when I was doing my introduction. All options on the table. <laughs> exactly. All options are on the table, including doing home visits. So if uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you get a knock on the door. And my advice is to uh, is to hide under the bed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw that as a kind of a holding yes. um, response, and I think what they'll do is they'll look and see which firms do it well um, and which don't, and try and work out why, and then build up good practice along the way. Um, I know because they have the enormous advantage of being able to do comparative analysis, which no one else really has. Yes. So they'll learn an awful lot from that, probably quite quickly. Um, but I also think you'll see a, a kind of a default of which jobs really need to be done in the office and which ones is it reasonable for people to do at home yeah. without any great kind of compliance risk involved. So what do you think the realistic likelihood of anyone getting a home visit is? Oh, very high. Did, <laughs> did we, but well, very small sample, just, just, to, just, to show that, ah. just to show that everything's on the table. Oh, that's a good point, yes. Some, yes. You know, it will happen at some point. Okay, yes. Um, uh, well, in that case, I'm definitely yeah. staying under the bed for the next month. Because if you don't use it, people won't. Believe no, that's true. But, 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 uh, that was my response when I when, yeah. I when I saw that. I thought that's never going to happen. So but at you, some you point, well almost right. certainly it will happen. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, oh, let's 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 rattle through the other other bits of news in the month. Uh, NatWest pled guilty in a criminal uh, case around AML failures. Historic I, AML I think, failures. given the scale and profile of the case, I wasn't surprised because I don't think the FCA would have taken it. No. if that wasn't a likely outcome. No. So I think the issue now is what sort of discount did they get given the nature of it? And then is it a one-off or is it a new, um, more aggressive, more financial crime aggressive uh, regulator? Um, yes. And if the latter, where do they get the resource from again? Yes. Well, so let's, uh, so that, that, cause that's what I found myself thinking. So like last night as I was uh, uh, sitting on my sofa hiding from the FCA, um, t- Twitter told me that the FCA have piled on with the, um, with the, with the other international regulators on a fine, finding Credit Suisse for yeah. um, financial crime failings, basically, in relation to lending to Mozambique. It sounds like a good case. Apparently, apparently a couple of CS bankers took a $50 million kickback. <laughs> To, to make the loans and things, so I haven't, I haven't read all the detail, but it, but it, you know, it was ever, ever again a reminder that I'm in the wrong job. Um, uh, so, so that's clearly you know financial crime related. We've got the Pandora Papers uh, yep. knocking around the latest latest tranche of that. So, um, so at the very least, I'm, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, well, we're gonna we're gonna see more rhetoric about financial crime from the regulator. I mean, not that it's ever gone away, but you know, you expect to hear more rhetoric. I think the big question is the one you raised. There is, 
is will we actually see a, a meaningful tilt in terms of I mean, I, ju I just think to do it consistently, <coughs> you need a um, probably a differently organized, bigger and better kind of mm. geared up enforcement function than the regulator has wanted to date. Yeah. Um, if you're going to start taking this sort of scale of case routinely, because the alternative is that you stop a whole load of other things. In order to do this well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to say how. It, I mean, you know, if the aspiration is to push, take on more legal risk as a regulator, and then that seems to translate into potentially more more enforcement investigations across the board. Uh, yeah, it's hard to see how that necessarily fits with a, a stronger focus on financial crime. Uh, obviously, that'd be part of it, but it'd also be a distraction from it. Yeah, and I think there's also questions about um, sort of due diligence of um, opening up London markets to more global com yep. companies, yep. which have, you know, has got the FSA and FCA in trouble in the past. Yeah, um, and and you know, in that whole kind of due diligence around kind of governance and provenance of funds and so on. Yeah, um, and doing that right. Um, um, on the flip side of financial crime, there are more stories this month, and it was a, it's a sort of there's a new story last month when we spoke, and it's, it's, there's been a bit more follow-up this month about um, banks and other financial firms de-risking their mm. portfolios or their client base. From an AML point of view, um, um, seeming to have unintended consequences for, for, for potentially vulnerable customers who find themselves. Yeah, unable to yep. answer the right questions or say the right, interact in the right ways, and 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 getting hoofed out of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a, uh, like. it's a classic unintended consequence, and I think it also has potential for the vulnerable customers' guidance generally, yeah. where it becomes um, onerous and costly to do things in a way that is compliant, and so firms make a let's call it a pragmatic decision um, yeah. not not you know to de-risk uh, and in a different world you saw it a little bit with um, retail distribution review 10 years ago and the major high street banks mm. withdrawing from um, uh, giving advice offering advice uh, absolutely to, from the yeah, know, retail, retails, absolutely. retail customers. completely abandoned it for a number of years um, yeah. so so I, I think yeah. it's watch this space really but I do think it's I do think it's one of those areas where that you know there's scope for well-intended regulation to go badly wrong um, other things that happened in the month uh, Facebook went down uh, yep. not that that's going to business critical for firms but but it was another example of a you know a, a large Outage across our quasi in IT infrastructure. Quite interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, the, the sort of the scale of it. If that if yeah. that had been a high speed bank. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, uh, there would be hell to pay, wouldn't yeah. there? Um, uh, yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, it's just worth you know reflecting that you know a lot of firms are currently working on their operational resilience. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's obviously rules coming into force that um, already come in force and a, a time scale for. Upgrading operational resilience uh, analysis and and and, and capability um, and yeah, something like this happening is kind of a reminder of you know when you're. They did into have the a cloud. bad week that week. Facebook didn't they? Yes, they had a whistleblower, didn't they? Yeah, it was it was a, um, 
Francis Haugen, um, the whistleblower. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. You know, gave testimony. I think he's over, must be next week, he's over in the UK talking to a select committee, I think. Oh, um, okay. But, but, but I think, again, there's a reflection of, you know, whistleblowing in the US is different from whistleblowing here, very obviously writ large. Um, and I think there are kind of deeper questions in there. They're not direct parallels, but about, you know, how much, how much consumer data do you want and why and what do you use it for and what are the temptations um, yeah. and how do you keep it properly ethical? Yeah. Uh, because we do have this kind of default that more information, again, coming back to the vulnerable customer thing, more information about the consumer is a good thing. Absolutely, yes. But, yeah. but actually, it's not, you know, there are things that could go wrong. Yes, that. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I thought it was really interesting, all that stuff. Um, so let's look forward to what we think we can expect over the next, well, let's, let's do the one up to Christmas since, uh, since the mince pies are well and truly on the supermarket shelves. In fact, uh, in fact, I guess all the HGV drivers must be delivering mince pies at this point because uh, there doesn't seem to be a shortage there. So, uh, well, we might get the future regulation, regu future regulatory framework from the Treasury. Yep, um, love we were we expecting will. this last month. Um, we are, I think, obliged to get our regulatory initiatives grid because they they've undertaken to publish them twice a year. And so last year they came out in May and September, yeah. um, which is why we're kind of waiting a bit. Do you think there's going to be any slippage? Anything slipping on there? Oh, I'm, beginning, I'm beginning to wonder. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I, we're, we're in a we're in a world of, um, I mean, at, at the um, at the best of times, it's qu quite tempting for regulators to assume that they can get things out the door um, quicker than happens in practice. Uh, not least because you end up thinking, oh, all this resource we can use for my piece of work, but actually, as we, you know, as we were saying earlier, that can be double, triple bid. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and then you throw in COVID, and you throw in the transformation stuff, yeah. and so on, and then you think the FCA in particular, I, I think is almost certainly, will, will almost certainly end up pushing back anything that it can. Yeah, no, I just, I'm trying to, it's, it's kind of reading the move music. I, I mean, you know, there were was, was still speeches being made on, and CPs issued on LIBOR, so you know, I think I think that's that's probably thing that, will happen. That, that, that yep. will happen, yeah. Uh, but then I think something like the investment firm prudential rule seems to have gone a bit quiet in terms of. I know there's lots of lobbying asking for it to be delayed, and I'm not I'm not seeing lots of clear cut statements coming back the other way saying no, it's going to happen on the first of Jan. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, 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 we'll see. I, and you and you are. So I, th I think it's an important document. Actually, yeah. it's very quickly becoming really useful. I think the, cons the second consumer duty CP yes. is probably the one to watch. So that's due. That, yeah, that was quarter. promised before Christmas explicitly, yeah. but there's there's clearly been pushback from the industry for all the reasons we've discussed. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that. I mean, if that goes back after Christmas, I wouldn't be surprised, and I also think it'll be quite indicative because they won't have wanted to let it slip. So that so that's that's that, that was as a, a landmark consultation. It's what well, they're. In, pu pu Saying they're going to publish is a second consultation paper, so it's sort of like, you know, yep. an evolved version of the first consultation paper with a cost-benefit analysis. As you said, there's been quite a lot of challenge back, I guess, from, from, from various angles, including you know, does it does it really move the dial compared to what what exists currently? Whether it's the amount of work that might be required to show compliance with it. Um, yeah. So we we are due the policy statement after a pretty short consultation period. 
uh, on the um, the streamlining of decision making, the internal, yep, the, 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 the RDC, the regulatory that's decisions the committee. Yep. And you talk about pushback. Uh, I mean, that's absolutely been, particularly from the legal profession, been an absolute lightning rod in terms of um, uh, of, of negative, you know, quite critical yeah. uh, feedback on that consultation. Um, so it's, uh, for me, I don't know. It's and gonna you be can interesting see why they that. would oh, they yeah. would object yeah. to the diminution of sort of. Due process, one would argue. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know absolutely. I mean, it's um, so it's a we have what I expect to be almost universally negative feedback coming from uh, the consulted consulted parties. Um, does that what does that mean? Does it, does the FCA just? So I think there's a really there's a really interesting coming together of those two things where there's clearly been pushed back, but the FCA has hung its hat on it on both yeah. of them. Yeah, and you've at the same time you've got the future regulatory framework um, proposals, a big part of which will be about enhanced accountability for regulators. So, if on the one hand you have a consultation process that is being disregarded potentially because the the FCA want, really wants to steam ahead with stuff, and and you've got and on the other you've got well actually in the future we're going to delegate more powers to regulators, but actually we're going to have lots yeah. more accountability. But the current accountability, some people might think, isn't working terribly well. Then I think you have a, you, there's potential for a bit of a car crash. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. You, uh, yeah, you, 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 if you're going to make, give them, the more power you give the FCA or the, the regulators, arguably the, the stronger the argument of having some independent oversight yeah but but then who does that it's not obvious to me that parliament has the resource or the time or the you know unless you you know in some cases you know without without being criticism the expertise because this stuff is is very complex and specialized a lot of the time to do the accountability role properly without spending a lot of time on it so in some ways i think those those two assuming they land before Christmas, they may not, but the, the, the mm-hmm. second consultation on consumer duty and the um, streamlining of decision-making, the RDC changes, um, they're, they're a bit of a test, aren't they, for how how strongly the current FCA leadership want to stick to those particular yeah, stick to their guns I, and on I, particular I think, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I'm not, you know, I, we're, we're being a bit, we've been a bit kind of more critical than normal this month, I think, and... and I think a lot of what they're trying to do is is entirely right. I, mm. I think uh, of my overriding thing is they're taking on an awful lot of stuff at the same time and trying to do it very quickly, and that carries a lot of risk. And I, I think if they were doing things at a slightly more measured pace and and with a bit more genuine consultation, longer term consultation along the way, um, yeah. it, it it would probably be better. Um. Also thinking about the run-up to Christmas, uh, Brexit is still um, causing uh, ructions and rumbling yep. along. Obviously, uh, whether it's in Northern Ireland or elsewhere, but but just for the for the FS industry, um, uh, certainly for the investment firms, the, the trading houses, the uh, the sort of the temporary equivalents of uh, UK and indeed EU clearing houses to allow uh, investment firms on both sides of the channel to continue to clear trades through. Through uh, through clearing houses in both um, in both jurisdictions, 
Uh, I think I think actually technically that runs till June. I think the temporary agreement on that, so right. from the EU. But but nevertheless, we're, we're, we're in the run up to Christmas, like like mince pies and bad socks and sweaters and things. Um, we have to talk about Brexit, and uh, and I, I see the first rumblings of potentially a, um, a an extended equivalence, but not equivalence in, in in that area. Another another fudge. Certainly, the, the EU Commissioner uh, Competition Commissioner was. was um, talking yesterday about the uh, not wanting to have a cliff edge type of yeah. end end situation occur, um, so good I think. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 quite, quite. Yeah, we want we want more trades cleared in the EU, but uh, equally we don't want a cliff edge. So, um, so I, I I think the the uncertainty of the industry probably comes from the fact that uh, if it's going to be fudged, it probably won't be fudged till the last possible yeah. moment, as usual. Um, I think the other thing I'm conscious we haven't talked much about the the PRA. Um, yes. Uh, I, I think, yeah. Well, I think Sam Woods' speech was was kind of oh, the know, carry, speech, carry yeah. on. Your yeah, Mansion yeah. House one was kind of carry on the same, um, uh, much more. Uh, but I think the market stuff will be concerning them, um, partly with the bank hat on and so on. So that you've got, you know, yeah. p- potential rising, yeah, you know, rising inflation, potential rising interest rates. You've got all, you know, potential tapering by the Fed. In yep. terms of you know buying less QE, yep. um, and at some point there'll be some kind of market reversal with all the supply chain things and so on thrown in, Evergrande, yep. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It, it just feels a bit more nervous than. You know, yeah, I, I'm I agree. not an expert I, on this stuff. No, but the, no. The kind of the noise around it is, no, is well, bigger than I can remember for a long time. Yeah, I mean, some analysts are obviously flipping to a. a we're now expecting a. You know, the, all the supply chain disruption will actually trigger recessionary pressures. Almost certainly, I mean, you know, I think most of the central bankers are, around the world are mm. making noises about raising interest rates at this point, aren't they? Or taking action. Um, yeah. As obviously, yeah. So the, you know, the regulators are going to be contending with that uh, knock-on consequences in certain yeah. financial services. We haven't products. mentioned COVID either. No. Well, uh, well, I hope, I hope you're back. must be a record. Uh, well, yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, it's still uh, the longest period. Uh, I haven't been this close to you since the Christmas party 2019, so hopefully we're, uh, we're, we're, both, uh, we're both okay in that respect. Um, yeah, that's true. So, yes, if, if the government wheels out its plan B, uh, as I think it was called, um, then that could all be fun and games too. Um, okay, so uh, uh, we haven't even mentioned COP26, have we? So... Uh, no, two weeks it'll be up and running. Mood, time lots starts. of mood music. I know it's uh, Sheldon, of October, I think Sheldon it's Mills. He wasn't talking about climate, was he? But he was. He was talking. Yeah. These, these, these. Well, these everyone m- has a climate section in their speech now. That, oh, so that's true. Yes, true. Yes. <laughs> these macro themes around climate, around diversity, and inclusion, and culture, which is the focus yeah. of Sheldon Mills' speech. I mean, these are, you know, these are you becoming ubiquitous. I mean, Sheldon was. Was was talking about the importance of culture and purpose, and talking about the 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 the, the, the importance of you know, diversity and inclusion. Not again, not not from a prescriptive. You know, we're going to require you to do X and Y, uh, recognizing there will be different cultures, etc. Um, but yeah, my takeaway from all that is, 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 is these. It seems like there's a there's a there's a standard set of questions that the regulators. I don't know. I think I don't think it's just the FCA. will will expect. Regulated firms to be able to answer about about their culture, about their purpose, yep. about what they're doing around diversity and inclusion. So, so you know, a a a, a, a non-answer there is probably not <laughs> not something that was going to endear you to to the regulator moving forward. Yeah, but 
I, I don't know. I carry the scars from previous, F, largely FSA attempts to do this. A little bit FCA as well at the start, um, and uh, I just think it's really hard to measure culture. Um, and I think it's more of a trying to. I think you can. There's a there's a reasonable correlation with other signs of what's a kind of a inverted commas good firm. Um, as opposed to you know one that, that's, yeah. that's likely to you know cause problems and, and not be compliant, but but I think it's pretty hard to prove causation. Yeah. Um, to put it mildly, and it's pretty hard to describe what good really looks like across the board. Uh, so, yes, uh, you know well, I, I'll I'll watch <laughs> with interest and sympathy, but but I I. I well, my personal uh, uh, my, my personal sort of uh, 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 being annoying. Uh, contrarian is uh, uh, all these surveys that get cited. Sheldon was citing the beginning of that. How 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 firms with with a certain type of purpose or culture perform better. You yeah. know, all, all all of these all of these surveys are, are based on a, a sample of, uh, for instance, uh, Western or primarily American businesses. Um, so yeah, one, say, one, that, one could yeah, argue there's I not much diversity. Probably, I think there's a reasonable the element of correlation, <laughs> but I think proving the, the, yeah, the causative stuff I think is... Yeah, well, if one of the concerns is a lack of diversity, then there's, there's probably not much diversity in the surveys um, uh, uh, from a sort of global perspective, anyway. Um, we... Uh, mutter, mutter. Mutter, mutter. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, we, uh, we probably should bring things to a close there. Hopefully we'll have a, a lot more to talk about next month. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's joined us for the podcast today for, for listening in. Um, there's a few resources on our website, the Grant Thornton website, which, uh, which uh, you are uh, more than welcome to make use of. We have our uh, response to the FCA business plan. We have our regulatory handbook, which basically um, deals with all of the forthcoming regulatory change across every, every sector. Um, and we also have a regulatory uh, newsletter that is uh, produced weekly that you can subscribe to on our website, uh, as you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and others, I believe. Um, so uh, thank you again. I look all forward to speaking. Bookshops. Oh, all good bookshops, yes. <laughs> I look forward to uh, joining you next month with Gavin and I will be talking again about what has happened in the wild and wacky world of regulation. Thank you.